Okay, so we're working through 1 Corinthians at the moment, look, and we're in chapter 2 at the moment, and we're looking at things that unite us as a church, the glue that holds us together. And it's important for us to know what this glue is made of, because at, the, at this very moment, we believe that God is building us together, he's shaping us, and he's forming us into the local church that he wants us to be for Solly Hull. Amen? And we want God to do that, don't we? We want him to fit all those misshapen bits, some more misshapen than others, but fitting us all together, bringing us into that place of incredible unity. And we're looking at the moment at the work of the Holy Spirit in the church. And so last week I was talking about the Word and the Spirit and how that just by simply preaching the Word of God in in a simple and accessible way, there is a demonstration of the power of the Holy Spirit. So what demonstrations of power are you expecting today? What are you expecting? What is your expectation today as we turn to the Word of God? Just thought I'd ask. And so today I want to continue in chapter 2 and I'm going to talk about wisdom and the Holy Spirit, a work which Paul describes in this chapter. And I'm going to ask uh, Becky Webb to read it to us. Becky, would you just come and read this passage to us? And she's going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 4 to 10. Uh, My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we speak of God's secret wisdom, a wisdom that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed it to us by his spirit. Thanks, Becky. Praise God. Well, we did the first bit of that passage uh, last week, so we're going to do the second part now from uh, verse 6. And first of all, there's some explanation that's needed because there is a whole lot of code in this passage. And I'm, I've got to say, I've been reading 1 Corinthians for years and I didn't know about this. So I've only just learned this myself, but it kind of makes sense because there's some explanation needed of the mystery cults. Okay? Uh, because we we probably don't appreciate from our sort of cold reading in our up-to-date modern world what Paul is doing here, because actually he's been a bit mischievous. Because throughout this passage, he's mocking the Corinthians. He's actually mocking them because he's peppering this passage with technical language. And the technical language of these mystery cults Now, I've got to say, there isn't a lot that we know about these mystery cults. They were so mysterious that they never actually wrote anything down. 
But what we do know about them is that essentially these cults were about hidden knowledge and dark things that nobody quite understood. So you'll know that the word occult simply means hidden. Well, that's what it was about. There was these hidden things. And these, these were some of the influences that were coming into the church. And so speaking in tongues, strange, ecstatic things, uttering mysteries, these kind of things, they just simply adopted them, adding it to their own sort of pagan religious experiences. And it was very attractive to them because the less sense that things made, the better. It was all about the experience. That's what they were hooked on. And so Paul mischievously uses some of their own language to expose them. He talks about wisdom. And then he talks about secret wisdom. And he talks about the mature who were the initiated or spiritually elite in the cults. The mature. And then the next part of the chapter, he talks about spiritual truth in spiritual words, which all sounds very kind of mystical and hidden. And all these words would probably have had double meanings in Corinth. And we don't probably get that from our reading of it, but that's the background. And some of this thinking, I think, is still around today. I mean, in some places, though the sources may be different, uh, there is this kind of mystical edge to things. There's this kind of hidden, this kind of intriguing. I was talking to Angela uh, when she was here a couple of weeks ago about a growing interest, for example, in the ministry of angels. Now, I appreciate angels and the ministry that they perform, but there are some people around who seem to be getting a bit obsessed with angels, hearing them, seeing them, feeling them, and developing some pretty unhelpful emphases. The Bible never tells us to pay them so much attention. And last year I went to a conference where I heard several people, not from the platform I should say, but several others talking about a greater revelation of teaching or some new secrets of the Spirit that are being unlocked at this time. I mean, you might have heard some of this phrasing being used that some people talk about new rooms or doorways into the supernatural, language that is verging on an unhelpful mysticism or secret paths approach that the Bible warns us against here in this passage. And these things, in extreme, can be a bit troubling, they can even cause some division, or at least a kind of polarization of views, opposite views, some opting for the safe conservative ground, so we don't have any spiritual gifts here, it's safer that way, we'll keep it all to a minimum, and then you get the wacky extreme on the other end. And I, I want to be somewhere in between, I don't want to be neither hot nor cold and therefore make people sick, but I want us to be somewhere in between. And it's this this kind of radical middle uh, that I'm looking for, that I, I feel that God's got for us as a church, a radical middle, which is a phrase I nicked from Ginny Burgeon, which I think she nicked from the title of a book, which I've just got. This radical middle sums it up for me. And for this, I think we need to know from this passage, what Paul unlocks for us is true wisdom, genuine maturity, and the real secrets of God. Three things. So that's what Paul helpfully explains here today. Three things, true wisdom, genuine maturity, and real secrets. 
And I believe that some of these are the keys to this radical middle. I've got to say right here at the beginning, I've said that about five times now, but that this is not a comprehensive dealing with this subject, okay? I'm just giving you a hint today, and I want to make you think I haven't got all the answers to this, but I want to put it out there as best I can, and then you're going to go away and need to think about this a bit. Is that right? You okay for thinking? Anybody like thinking? Well, that's what this is about today. So firstly, I want to talk about true wisdom. Now, it's a bit rich, really, because up until now, especially through chapter 1, Paul has been railing against the whole idea of wisdom to such an extent that you might think, I don't think Paul likes wisdom very much. As we saw last week, even his model of preaching was that he said, simple preaching is the best. I didn't come to you with wise and persuasive words. I don't want to get complicated. I want the Spirit to do the job. And he said in chapter 1, the cross is foolishness. It's foolishness and it's going to frustrate the wise, confuse the intelligent and stumble the religious. So you kind of think he doesn't like wisdom very much. He doesn't want us to be too intelligent, but yet now he is advocating wisdom. He says it in verse 6, he says, We do, however, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age that are coming to nothing. And this this is a true wisdom, he says. I, I want to introduce to you a true wisdom, and the first clue he gives us about it is that it's not the kind of wisdom that man has. You know, man has all sorts of wisdom. You know, we're just full of good ideas. Look at the internet. I mean, there are so many ideas. There's so much wisdom out there. There's so many ideas about how to live a good life. I mean, how many times did the government come out and say, this is the food you should eat, and this is the food that you shouldn't eat? Do you know, a few years ago, we weren't allowed to eat butter. Now, we've got to eat butter. And it just seems like one thing after another. Man's wisdom, it doesn't seem to follow a clear pattern. And even when it comes to church, you know, there are lots of people who will have perfectly good ideas about how we should do church or what we should do church, how to do it better. And you know, these people will tell you all this wisdom for absolutely nothing. They just want to tell you their wisdom. And so Paul goes on to ask the so-called wise of Corinth, and I paraphrase, He says, who can search out the depth of God? Mere men? Not even angels and demons can look into this and understand it. Who can plumb the depths of God's knowledge and understanding? Can you even understand the internal thoughts of another man? How can you understand then God's secrets? Who can be initiated into this kind of wisdom? Who is going to be able to understand God? You want to say you're wise, you're clever, you've got it all sewn up, you can't even understand another human being. How do you expect to be revealing the secrets of God? And then Paul turns the whole thing on his head and he says, everyone. Who can understand all these things? Everyone. The greatest wisdom of all has been revealed by the Spirit himself who knows the depths of God. True wisdom, Paul says in this passage, is for every believer. 
See, what he says is, in using this language, in challenging this attitude of the spiritual elite, he says there is no spiritual elite. The simplicity of the gospel means that even the newest Christian can be initiated into the greatest mystery of all, the unsearchable wisdom of God. And what is that unsearchable wisdom? What is this secret wisdom that's been hidden since the beginning of time? What is it? Jesus Christ and him crucified. It all comes back to the cross. God's wisdom in a nutshell. Jesus Christ and him crucified. You see, we never get to move on from the cross of Christ. We never get to move on from it. It's forever going to captivate us, forever grab us, forever draw us in. We never get to move on to it. We only get to move into a more profound understanding of it. And as one theologian says, that Paul does not have a simple gospel of the cross for babes and a different wisdom gospel for the mature. He says all Christians are potentially mature in Christ, though only some are actually what they ought to be. There's no spiritual elite in the Christian camp. There are no elites in the wisdom of God. So, listen, if you get the cross, you get true wisdom. But as Paul explains, the rulers of this age didn't get it. And so their wisdom is flawed. Because if they had, Paul says, then they would never have crucified Jesus. That goes to show that they're not wise. They didn't get the wisdom of God in the crucifixion of Jesus. The devil didn't get it. You know, this phrase, uh, the rulers of this age, isn't just about human rulers and man's wisdom, but the demonic realms too. The dark powers and the authorities that influence human rulers, showing that even Satan himself was ignorant of God's plan. I mean, have you ever thought about how mad he must have been on the day of the resurrection? Have you ever thought about how mad he must have been? He just didn't get it. He was completely out of his depth and all out at sea. Because if he had, he would never have allowed man to crucify Jesus. And this is why Colossians says God made a public spectacle of all the principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. But none of these rulers or powers understood it. None of them, not even the devil himself, but it has been revealed to us, to the believer, verse 10, by his spirit. Are you wise? I don't know. Have you ever thought of yourself as being wise? If you get the cross and the significance of it in your life, you are at the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs says that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The cross demonstrates the fear of God to us all in the death of his own son. The, The death of his own son... For sin, we deserve to die. That's the demonstration of the wisdom of God to every one of us. So the radical middle that we're fighting for here is that we remain focused, firstly, on the cross. The cross never goes out of fashion. Secondly, genuine maturity. Verse 6, again, 
It says that we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. The mature, genuine maturity. To be mature in the Corinthians' minds meant to be one of the initiated spiritually elite. That's what it would have meant to them. Uh, But Paul reclaims the word to talk about the genuine maturity. And that is those that have been initiated into the mysteries of God. The genuinely uh, mature. Initiated into the mysteries of God. And according to Paul, the message of the cross can only be spoken amongst the mature. It can only be spoken. It will only be heard. It will only be recognized amongst the mature. Why? Because the immature have already arrived. The immature think they already know all that there is to know. They've seen it, they've done it, they've got the t-shirt. Yeah, I know what Jesus and the cross and all that's about. It's, it's, you know, it's Easter, isn't it? It's Easter eggs. I know that. Sorted it, boxed it, got it. Not for me. The immature have never got hold of what the cross was about. Immature Christians, why do we need to go on about our sin anymore? It's all grace now, isn't it? I mean, why do we need to be convicted? Why do we need to repent anymore? Don't you dare use the R word. Do you know that's been said to some people in churches? I've spoken to ministers, even in this community, who dare not use the R word. Don't tell people to repent. Don't you dare judge me. (laughs) Immature Christians... I don't want to think about my needs. I want to think about my sins and my failings. Just give me nice feelings. Make me feel better, but don't you dare challenge me. You're not allowed to challenge me. That slipped into some charismatic thinking. Just have nice feelings, but don't you challenge me. Immaturity. See, a mature person knows that they never get to move on from the cross. It's our literal salvation, and there's so much more to go for. And maturity is all about learning how to apply the cross more deeply to our lives. I mean, just last week, I came up against this in my own life. I don't know if you ever have seasons like this, but it just seemed like every morning when I came to pray, I felt the Holy Spirit showing me another failure another area of sin that I needed to deal with. I said, oh, Lord, really? That goes back years. Yeah, I want to deal with it now. Okay. The whole week, every day, I was almost dreading my quiet time. I didn't. I'm so glad that God cares enough to show me. You know, when God reveals things, it's not to condemn us. When he convicts us, it's to set us free. And I went through the dealings of God that week and learned how to apply the cross again. This is maturing. And a key passage to this is in Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 to 15. You can turn to it if you wish, but I'm just going to summarize it for you. It can be summarized like this. All I want 
is to know Christ. I've not yet fully reached that point, anybody? (laughs) But I'm straining forwards to reach that goal. I forget where I've been before. I'm striving forwards. And anyone who is mature will have precisely the same attitude. I haven't arrived yet. I want to know God. I need to know him more. I'm straining forward to it. And simply put, for Paul to be mature is to know that I haven't yet arrived. I'm not there yet, but I'm pressing forward. I'm not settling. I'm not satisfied. I want to know more of God. I need to know more about him. I need his work in my life to continue. Lord, search my heart. Show me. Is there anything inside me? Because I want to be close to you as close as I can be. There's something about a mature man or woman of God. You know, it's like they're on a quest. Like a quest. There's this restless adventurer about them. They're the kind of people who spur you on and their passion for God is truly infectious. That's what a mature Christian looks like. Maturity is about going through hard times and you keep going. And you might go through some more hard times, but you keep going. I'm pressing forward. I'm going to get to know God more through this. I'm going to let you plumb the depths of me. I've just been reading the book of Job all over again. And I'm reading it with Alistair MacLean. Uh, no, not him. Max MacLean. <laughs> reading it on the audio version. And he reads it. He's an actor and he reads it so well. And I've just got captivated with it. Our puny arguments, our puny excuses, our puny reasons for why people go through hard times. You just do. We just do, Okay. As long as we're in this world, we're going to go through hard times. So let's just keep going on with God. Just just keep going for him. Don't let it disillusion you. Don't let it turn you off him. Let's just get closer to him and run after him. I've actually come to think that actually the reason why we go through hard times is to drive us closer to God because if it was all easy, we wouldn't. We wouldn't need him. And you know, sometimes, and I don't want to belittle people's hard times, because sometimes the hard times are relentless. And the troubles, they just keep coming. And the questions, they just overwhelm us. But God's maturing you. God's maturing you. And the maturing Christian keeps going and trusting and praying and believing. I want to encourage you today. If you're going through hard times, keep going. Come on, I want to cheer you on. God's for you. And he will take you through this. Amen? So are you mature? Now you know what it means. (laughs) Do you want to be mature? (laughs) Are you maturing? It doesn't matter about your age or your experience, because age or experience, and we've talked about this, haven't we? We've talked about this. Age or experience is no guarantee for maturity. Not everybody who gets older is mature in God, like some people we know. 
Are you pursuing God? Are you still pursuing God? Do others know that? Are you infectious? Are you letting your pursuit of God spill out and spill over? You see, the, mad, the radical middle is about a group of people who don't think they've got all the answers, but they keep pursuing God. And that's what I want. That's what I want. Okay, so true wisdom, genuine maturity, now real secrets. Do you want to know some real secrets? Because, uh, I mean, for the Corinthians, secrets or secret wisdom meant these kind of hidden truths that were only available to the initiated. The initiated. Special. Special group of people. And there's no doubt about it, God has been keeping some secrets for a long time. A very long time. Verse 7 says this, No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. He's been keeping some secrets for a very long time, before time began. God keeps secrets. That's the secrets of his, the mystery of his will. And we've already talked about wisdom and the cross, but there's, there's this other bit. Look, just look at verse 7. It should come up, you can't see it. Look at verse 7. There's this second bit to verse 7. God destined. A mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory. For our glory before time began. For our glory. You see, we've talked about the wisdom and the cross, but what about this other bit? The secret plans that God has for each one of us. I, I think perhaps these things are still a bit of a mystery. I'm not sure that we really get the extent of what God has done for us. I'm not sure that any of us really understand or recognize the full extent of what God has in store for us in the future. I mean, these plans are quite something. That through Jesus' death on the cross, God has destined every believer for glory. Literally, to be glorified. Or as the Amplified Version puts it, to be lifted up into glory. Each believer, God has destined for glory. This is the big secret about the human race. This is the mystery of salvation that it says angels peered over to look into. And even, so that means that even now, listen to this. This will change your life if you can get hold of this today. Every believer, even now, because of the cross, is seated with Christ in glory at the right hand of God. Even now, fellow believer, you are in Christ and all powers, dominions and authorities are being placed under your feet. Even today, you are training for reigning with Christ for the rest of eternity. (sighs) You know, you've been lifted, we've been lifted into a place of incredible authority and power. 
a place of immense privilege of honour. This is our new identity in Christ. We don't just go to heaven when we die. We're united with Christ now, which means that even now we are seated living in heavenly places. We're no longer earthbound. We're no longer required to live from earth reaching up to heaven somehow. Do you ever live with that perspective? Heaven's up there. Someone, no, we're up there, and earth is down there. Get the perspective. God has lifted us up into glory. Even now, we're there. Amen! (sighs) Do you know this? I don't think you do. I don't think we do. I don't think we really get it. We get the bit about I've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I'm buried with Christ. By faith, crucified. I get that. I deserve that. We don't get this. Raised with Christ. Lifted up. Glorified. In heavenly places. We don't get it. I'm getting excited. (laughs) I mean, this is enough to change your life, isn't it? If we can get hold of this, completely change your perspective on life. To know where you're seated. Where are you seated today? Where are you seated today? In heavenly places. It's enough to shake us out of the humdrum doldrums of Christianity. And this was God's original plan. This was the mystery of his will that was hidden from the beginning of time. But it's now revealed through this very public display of the crucifixion of Jesus. And all of these things are available to anyone who loves God. Does anybody in Jubilee Church here love God? Do you love God? Well, look what it says. What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has understood. These are the things that have been prepared for those that love him. Lifted up, reigning, living in Christ for the rest of eternity, which means now... Do you love God? Then the greatest of all things have been prepared for you. So the radical middle love God passionately. They love God passionately. How's your passion doing? Are you passionate for Jesus today? Or is it worn a bit thin, got a bit jaded? Love God Love God. Love God passionately and pursue him with all of your heart. The secrets of God are now revealed to the believer because they're secrets, but they're open secrets. But they're still rightly called secrets because, you see, a lot of people don't know about this yet. There's a lot of people that don't know about this. Even some Christians don't know about it, or they've just forgotten. And even when you tell some people, they don't get it. Which is why we need to remind one another. It's why we must spur one another on. And it's why we need to pray for the unbeliever. Because it's a work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. Perhaps this already happened today. Perhaps the light bulb's gone on for you today. I didn't realize that that was what has been hidden. That's the plan that God had. I never knew. 
I never knew that I could live up there when I'm down here. That's the identity, the new identity that we have in Christ as believers. Let me summarize three things to the radical middle. True wisdom, keep the cross central. We've got to keep the cross central. We keep coming back there. Got to know that. Secondly, genuine maturity. We've got to keep pursuing God. We've got to keep running after him. We've got to keep that hunger. We've got to be like that deer that pants after him. Three, real secrets. We've got to love God. We've got to keep loving him passionately. And then he will show us all that has been revealed by his spirit. You want to know real secrets? Love God and he'll tell you them all. Okay, so this is not a comprehensive talk. All right? I want you to go away and think about this. I want you to pray about it. I want you to ask God, Lord, I want to be a man or a woman that's wise. I want to understand the cross better. I want to be genuinely mature. Lord, I've not been pursuing you recently. My heart's grown cold. Been a bit lukewarm. I've not been loving you in the way that I should. These keys will keep us on track. They start us on the right track, but they should also make us think. Amen? I'm going for the radical middle. You coming? Yeah, amen. I want to encourage you to just spend some time now just reflecting. I want to ask you about your relationship with God. I want to ask you about your passion for God at the moment. I want to ask you about your pursuit of God. I want to ask you about your love of God. And I know that there are people that are going through hard times and difficult times, but I want you to keep going. I want to encourage you, just keep going. Keep pressing through. Keep pursuing God. Let's just stand, shall we? Look, I know it's hot, but this is really important. This is really important. Let's just focus on God. Let's let him search us. Lord, will you just search us right now? And God's going to do something in some people's lives through this talk that will literally change your life. I believe that there's some understanding being opened up for some people today. I believe that for some people, as they go home, this searching of God is going to reveal some stuff. He says, I want to put my finger on that. Is that okay with you? Let's just open our hearts to God. Lord, we want to be right with you. We don't want there to be anything between. Lord, we come back to the cross now. Say, Lord, search our hearts. And we thank you, Lord, that even as we come back to the cross, Lord, we look at the solution right in front of us. Lord, you died for us so that we could be forgiven for every sin that we should commit. All of our sins are already forgiven, but Lord, we confess them to you. Lord, we know that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to wash us clean from all unrighteousness. Why don't you just confess your sin right now, whatever God brings to mind, 
in these couple of minutes. I'm going to leave a bit of a space. Just confess your sins to God. I want to urge you to do that. Don't just switch off now because it's quiet. I want to urge you to do that. This is really important. Just confess your sins to God. Repent. Don't do that anymore. Now receive forgiveness. Now accept forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness right now. You don't have to have an approval period now where you do all right for a bit. You can receive forgiveness right now. Amen? I want to ask you about your pursuit of God. Are you still pursuing God or are the hard things in life keeping you down? And that's a hard question to ask, I know that. But I believe that for some people today, there's there's grace to continue. There's grace to pursue. There's grace to go on. And I want to urge you, dear believer, dear Christian, don't try to do it in your own strength. Give up and let God, let God empower you by the Holy Spirit. So right where you are now, I want you to just come to God and say, Lord, I want to keep going. Or Lord, help me to keep going. Lord, I want to pray for those that are perhaps going through really hard times at the moment. If that's you, I'm not going to ask people to look at you, but just put your hand up and I'm going to pray for you particularly. It's just really tough at the moment. Yeah. All right. The Holy Spirit's just going to come on you right now. Okay? Right now, in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray I release your favour for these people to keep going, to do the next mile, to take the next step. To to the next minute, Lord, I pray, Lord, release your favour for these people right now. Let your favour come on. I pray, Lord, grace would just come in Jesus' name. I just pray for fresh energy. Lord, no giving up. Lord, we want to give up sometimes. We really do. Lord, would you draw us again? You said in your word that we love you because you first loved us. You drew us first. You started this. You started this, Lord. Will you give us the desire again to pursue you? Pray for each one of these people. Let your grace come. And I speak peace. Some people here just need peace. There's peace coming on you right now. There's peace. Stop worrying. (laughs) Cast all your anxiety on him. There's peace for you now in Jesus' name.